Uh, turn to Isaiah. Isaiah, uh, the 12th chapter. We'll read six verses to you this morning. Uh, we'll start at verse 1. You will say in that day, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away that you might comfort me. Verse 2, behold, my God, behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid. For the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. With joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. And you will say in that day, give thanks to the Lord and will call upon his name. Make known his deeds among the peoples. Proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Shout and sing for joy, O inhabitant of Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. Let us pray. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Uh, Lord, we thank you for this time of worship. Uh, as we have settled into this place and your presence has saturated us and we've soaked up that moment in time to experience you. You've spoken to us through song. You've spoken to us through word. You've challenged us. You've encouraged us. And Lord, now we pray as we break this word that, uh, that the word of life will do exactly what it is called to do. It will challenge us. It will change us. It, it pierces sometimes, Lord, uh, even to the bone. Uh, but Lord, may the reality and the hope of Jesus be found in these words uh, may we uh, glorify the kingdom of God and the world around us. So this day we ask you to bless this word. May it go forth and accomplish what it's set forth to do in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. 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 title of the message this morning is simply called Becoming Salvation. Becoming Salvation. You know, here in Isaiah chapter 12, you really have to go to Isaiah chapter 9 to understand what all is going on in Isaiah chapter 12. All right, Isaiah chapter 9, we have one of the most famous verses. We use, we'll use it again in a couple months, right? You know, there are certain verses we just put away until Christmas, right? Uh, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. And, and, but 10, 11, and 12 all follow chapter 9. And Isaiah's whole mindset is still on chapter 9, verse 6. Right? And, and chapter 11 is a really good chapter. Go home and read that today. You can read it right now. I don't care. You can, you can turn me off and read chapter 11. I promise you'll be blessed. Uh, but, but those chapters all work together. And in verse chapter 12, it all comes to a point where Isaiah is just like beside himself as you read those verses. He's talking about joy. He's talking about singing. He's talking about the salvation. And then he says, God, you have become. He, verse, look what it says in verse 2. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song. And he has become my salvation. Now, at the beginning of verse, he said, he is my salvation. And then he says... He's become my salvation. So, that, so the Lord quickened me several weeks ago. I read this verse and it just kind of jumped out to me. Becoming salvation. What an enormous truth we have with us in this text today. He's not only my salvation. He has become my salvation. Notice two things were concerning this truth. The, the person spoken of is he. It's capitalized. He. He is spoken of as God. He has transcended the very portals of glory. And came down to earth to become my salvation. He has become Jesus, the incarnate one. The very name Jesus comes from the Greek word Jesha, which means God is salvation. Do you remember why Joseph was told to name the baby? What did the angel tell Joseph? And you shall call his name Jesus. Why did he say that? For he shall save his people from their sin. He was our salvation. He came to be my salvation, but as we live our lives for Him, He's becoming our salvation. 
God is my salvation. How? God the Father chose me. He prepared the means of my salvation. God the Son carried out the work for this salvation by taking upon Himself God's righteous anger. That is why He's no longer angry with me. Did you hear that? God is no longer angry with you. When Jesus Christ becomes your salvation, God is no longer mad at you. There's a lot of people who think He's angry. God don't like me. Got a flat tire. God don't like me. He's trying to stop me from being in a wreck. You got a flat tire. You got a nail on your tire. It goes flat. Why do we over-spiritualize everything? You know what I'm saying? We over-spiritualize everything. Got a hangnail. God don't want me to go to work today. Why do we over-spiritualize everything? You run over a nail, don't get a flat tire. God had nothing to do with that. Right? But he did have something to do with my salvation. He did have something to do with that. I can't over-spiritualize that because that's the truth. That's the truth. He's not angry at me anymore. And God, through the Holy Spirit, has applied that salvation to me. He has regenerated me. He has given me a new heart so that I may believe in Jesus Christ. He has given me faith. That's what the Bible tells us. Salvation is more than a prayer and an altar. It's more than a prayer, man. March 20th, 1985. Morningstar Baptist Church. Ridgeview, West Virginia. Don Kinder was there with a group of teenagers singing songs at a revival. I was as far from Jesus as that napkin beside Pastor Frank is. I had nothing to do. I I was just doing what was because I went to church and you're supposed to sing in a group and everybody liked it and they shouted you down and I felt nothing. The preacher preached, couldn't tell you what he preached on. Had no idea to this day. I was flirting with a girl. I'm going to lie to you. (laughs) I'll just be honest. Can we be honest? They started playing just as I am. And all of a sudden, this cold sweat just started going over my entire body. Cold. I'm like, what is going on? I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to this. I'm not zoned in. Yet somebody was speaking to me. Cold sweats. I mean, profusely. It's like that time I went in to get uh, some surgery and the, the anesthesiologist couldn't find my vein. And she tried to tell me about it. It's that kind of sweat, right? I can't find your vein, Don. Thanks for telling me. We see it. It was that kind of cold sweat. And next thing I know, I was at an altar. I gave my heart to Jesus Christ. Amen? Now, I won't lie to you. I rededicated my life in 1987. I'm a home chapel United Methodist Church. Right? Now, some people say, well, Don, you never got saved. No, I was saved. Uh, you, you can't, the mammoth experience is never at the mercy with the mammoth question, right? Now, what happened between 85 and 87, I pulled away, I drifted apart, and that salvation that I experienced had slowly drifted away by my own choosing. But today, Jesus wants to tell us, and, I, and all the songs, I, I kept hearing little blurbs and all the worship, that He wants to become our salvation. It's more than a prayer at an altar. That altar prayer is great! Repeat after me, right? Repeat after me. And you pray a prayer and you ask Jesus to come in your heart. I'm not diminishing that moment. I'm not saying if you die at that very moment, you're not going to heaven, right? But I'm telling you right now, if you got saved 25 years ago 
and that is your moment, then you're, you probably need to do some inventory checking. You need to evaluate where you are. That prayer was what it was. It was a moment. Salvation is a process. It's more than a prayer. It's not just an event. It's a lifestyle that we must live on a daily basis. It's more than a single isolated moment. It's salvation is something that requires us to work on it every single day. So I looked up the word become. As you guys know, I have a Sherman High School education. One thing they did tell us at Sherman High School was how to use a dictionary. Unfortunately, they didn't have audio dictionaries, so I can't say half the words in the dictionary. But I did look up the word become. The word become means to grow, to change, to develop, to start to be. That's good. To cause, to undergo change. We're talking about becoming salvation. We're talking about to grow into salvation, to change into salvation, to develop salvation. We become a lot of things in our lives, don't we? We become a lot of things. We become tired. How many of you are tired right now? You're ready to fall asleep in the middle of service. You become bald. Well, at least I did. Benji did. Uh, and Bo's working on it. Bo, you need to give up on it, man. It's not, it's not coming back. Jesus came back, but your hair's not. Uh, we become angry. We become angry. We become happy. We become a graduate. We become a licensed driver. Now, I put that in there because I failed my learners five times. So when I became a licensed driver, it's kind of a big deal. I mean, you all heard me share that story. We took Caleb in to get his learners that day. And Kelly and I were sitting there. And Caleb was there for like 37 seconds. And he come out. He's like, oh, I just missed it by one. Said, oh, man, you get it next time. But I only got to question eight. I mean, you can miss like six and you, and you fail, right? Caleb got the question eight. That's why he was in there so fast. I just missed by one, Dad. No, son, you didn't take the whole test, right? So when I became a licensed driver, it was kind of a big deal. And then, and then it got worse. It took him for his driver's test. He never got to turn the car on. He failed. Think about that. He didn't get to turn the car on the driver's test. Sorry about it. You're out. Most people fail in parallel parking because they hit something. Cabe never turned the car on. He didn't know where the hazard lights were. And I had that Volkswagen. It was a triangle that big. Right above the radio. I swear that triangle was that big. He, the guy was trying to help him. You know, the emergency lights. You know, the hazard lights. Cabe was ah. So we let, we let a friend borrow that car a few weeks later after Caleb passed. Caleb pointed out to Palmer where the hazard lights were. He learned from it. But we become, we become employed. We become retired. We become a runner. We become a parent. We become a bride, a groom, a grandparent. But how many of you think of becoming salvation? How many of you think about becoming salvation? Developing and growing and establishing and changing into. We live in some confusing times, don't we? And preached a few weeks ago here at this church. The land of confusion. And just this week, I was reminded how confusing we are on this planet. There's a store in the mall that sells shirts that say pink on them, and they're black. <laughs> they're blue, and they're orange, and maroon. You can buy a WVU shirt that says pink. And it's blue and gold. It's confusing. 
right? Caleb's got a, a, a big day coming up, and I went to buy a new sport coat, and I found an extra-large slim coat. All right? We can get fused, confused in this world just by shopping. And I don't want you to be confused about salvation this morning. I don't want you to be confused about what this relationship development should look like with Jesus Christ. I don't want salvation to confuse us. It's a pretty simple process. Accept Jesus. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. They call that the ABCs of salvation. It really is that easy. A B, C. But how many of you know the ABCs alone in the natural won't get you through college? Right? You can memorize the alphabet in kindergarten. It won't get you through college. What I found out is when I got to college, there were some X's that became Y's that turned into Z's. Right? There's a lot of crazy stuff ago. They use all those letters. They're using them in math now. I mean, one of my favorite T-shirts is another day has passed and I haven't used algebra. I don't use algebra in my job. I'm not going to lie to you. How many of you use algebra in your job? Maybe unless you're an algebra teacher. Summer's an algebra teacher. It don't count. All right? But I don't use algebra, Jimmy. But guess what? The ABCs alone won't get me through college. Just as the ABCs of salvation won't sustain my life in a relationship with Jesus Christ. It won't sustain me. Here's what Philippians chapter 2 says, verse 12. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, So now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Now, Paul here was writing to the church. He was writing to the church and said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. We use that verse in an altar call all the time. The Bible says you've got to work out your own salvation. And that's true. It's an individual thing. But Paul here writing to the church says you've got to work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Many people have confused this statement because they read it as it says, I've got to work for my salvation. That's not what it says. We must remember Paul was talking to the church. We know that it is not what this text tells us. We, go, we see it in Ephesians chapter 2, 8 and 9 where Paul clearly says that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works, he tells us in Ephesians. You can't work your way into heaven or into salvation. It's a gift of God. I want to make that very clear. But to work out your own salvation, this doesn't teach salvation by works. Right? It doesn't teach salvation by work. It speaks not of working out our salvation, but working out of one's salvation. Not of acquiring, but of expressing. Not of obtaining salvation, but of proclaiming our salvation. It means to perform according to your faith. It means to let your salvation show in your conduct how you live your life. That should impact how we live. It affects our emotions. It stabilizes our conduct. I won't lie to you. It troubles me to see miserable Christians. It bothers me to the very core of my being to see miserable Christians. They act like the world is against them. Everything's going wrong. And I, I'm not here to deny we have problems. I'm not here to deny that every day is not better than others. I'm not here to deny that some days are, are better and some days aren't. I'm not here to deny that the last week or last year of your life has stunk, right? I'm not here to deny that. 
But we don't have to see that in your emotions. Why? Because I have the salvation. Jesus has become my salvation. He didn't just come for my salvation. He has become my salvation. I don't have to be miserable. I could be having a bad day and you should never have to know it. How many of you had a bad day this week? You know what? But I don't want you to know I'm having a bad day. I don't want you to know it. I'm not trying to hide it, but I don't have to shine it, right? I don't have to spotlight it, right? I mean, just this week at work, I was in some legal training, had some lawyers in from our corporate office. I was in Kentucky for some meetings, and they were going over inner communications inside the company and how you're supposed to communicate and how you're supposed to write emails. I know you say, well, that sounds basic for a company as big as you work for. A lot of people don't get it. And, and, we're, and as, I'm not lying to Kelly. As soon as I saw that slide pop on the screen, I got an email from Texas from this guy. He was just doing everything that slide said not to do. Right? <laughs> he, did a, he broke every rule and the legal, the legal team just saw it, gave us in that slide. Why? Because people, and then when he called me, he's like, yeah, I shouldn't have sent that. And what do you mean about me? It's about one of my employees. Yeah, you're right. I shouldn't have sent that. But you did. You see how quick we are to, to knee jerk? And so I'll take that literation I learned this week. You never send an email angry. You never send any girl mad. You never send her overjoyous or happy. You don't post on Facebook when you're angry. You don't tweet when you're mad. You don't Instagram your bloody leg. Look what just happened. Right? You don't. You look miserable. Now you can look back and laugh, right? You can look at it five years ago now. I, right? But don't be miserable, Christian. Bad things do happen. I get it. I'm not denying that. But we don't have to celebrate the bad things. We celebrate the good things. We celebrate the good things. So don't be a miserable person. Don't be miserable. Because we are saved, because we get to seek the kingdom first... All these things will be added into us. I don't have to be miserable. I'm not denying I don't have bad days. I don't deny that I, I don't have headaches. Or, I fell at a football game a couple weeks ago. My thumb still hurts. Don't even ask. It was terrible. <laughs> Kelly said I fell. I really didn't fall. I didn't fall. No. So I'll let y'all be the judge. So I'm, I'm, I just came back from Pittsburgh. Had some meetings. I was driving back. Went to a UC game. I was at Laidley Field. I had popcorn in my hand, which I love popcorn, in a football game. I had a bottle of water. And I went to step over a bleacher, and my toe got caught on the bleacher, right? And it grabbed my foot. I caught myself. Granted, popcorn went over the lady that, that I caught myself on. <laughs> but I caught myself like this. I didn't fall, Carrie. I didn't. <laughs> I was like this. Now, I did gain, I got my thumb up pretty good, but I didn't fall. So, I mean, this is not falling, is it? Because I caught myself. No, but I caught myself. Anyway. But I don't, we don't celebrate all the bad things in life, do we? We shouldn't. Right? Look, our lives are on display for the world to see. Let's just call it what it is. You're going to walk out of this place today, and there's people on Ohio Avenue that want you to be caught speeding. I'll just tell you like it is. There are people that say this church flies up and down this highway, or Ohio Avenue. And maybe some of you do. Glory to God. Uh, maybe some of you don't, right? We got the speed hump out there. You ever know say It's like the size of Texas. Um, but you know what? People, our lives are on display. 
They're watching us. And they want to see something different. We claim to be different, then let's be different. Let's be different. Let's not be miserable. Let's not be miserable. But I want you to know this morning, salvation always starts with God. Always starts with God. But we have to work on our relationship in that salvation experience with God every day. Salvation is a, starts when, when we accept Jesus, but it never ends there. Salvation is not just an event. It's a process. It's a daily walk. Enoch did not get taken. He did not get taken because he got saved. <laughs> he got taken because he walked with God. You think, he not, you, you think he did not work on that relationship on a daily basis to get to a point where God says, you know what, I'm just going to take you. You don't think he worked on it? You think he just prayed a prayer? You think he just prayed a prayer and God said, you know what, that was a really good prayer. I'm taking you. No, he walked with him. The Bible says that he had this testimony. He walked with God. That's it. Didn't have a church. Didn't have a CD. Didn't have T-shirts with his name on it. He walked with God. That's it. You don't think he worked on that relationship? You don't think he developed that relationship? You don't think he became salvation? He worked on it. He developed it. It's a process. The Greek word for salvation is sozo. Sozo. To save, to deliver, to protect, to heal, to preserve, to, to do well, to make whole. Those are what, that's what the Greek word reads. When you realize the Greek word sozo, all those are present tense, aren't they? He didn't say saved. He didn't say delivered. He didn't say protected. He said to save, to protect, to deliver. That's present tense. That tells me salvation is now. I live it every day. I experience it every day. Why? Because I have to work on it every day. I'm becoming salvation. It's a process. True salvation should affect every part of your life. Every aspect of your life should be affected by salvation. If salvation makes no difference in the way you live, what's the point of being saved? If it doesn't change the way you talk, if it doesn't change the way, how we think, if it doesn't change your worldview, if it doesn't change the way we evaluate ourselves, what's the point of being saved? Salvation that doesn't change you is not worth having. We will make an impact on the world when our lives are visibly, observably, measurably, noticeably, and obviously different from the world around us. That's when we make an impact in our worlds. We are to be different, to make a difference. Our values set us apart from the surrounding culture we live in. God is always the pursuer, though. Even when we run, He runs to us. That's one of my favorite songs, uh, When God Ran. And Greg does it beautifully. How many of you agree with that? Uh, I couldn't do it any better myself, for the record. Uh, but man, when, the only time I ever saw him run is when he ran to me. We can all make that claim, right? He ran to us. And when we drift away, he runs to us. He pursues us. As Pastor Frank said, he, he, he knew where Adam and Eve was. He's God. But he said, where are you, Adam? He wanted Adam to know where Adam was. He wanted Adam to admit, I'm lost. He wanted Adam to admit, I'm hiding, I'm embarrassed, I'm ashamed. But God was still pursuing them. And even in their failure, even in their shortcoming, he still sacrificed a lamb and covered them. He clothed them at that moment so they would no longer be embarrassed. Even in the greatest failure of all mankind, God was still showing mercy and grace. A shadow of what Jesus was going to bring to our lives that Isaiah was talking about. 
He's always pursuing us. He's always done the pursuing. We were the ones that were lost. God's never been lost. We're the ones that were lost. Jesus told his disciples in John 15, 16, You did not choose me, but I have appointed you, he said. Paul wrote in Colossians, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved. Peter referred to it as a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession. We're God's special possession. Becoming salvation. Once he chose us, now it switches responsibility to us. It's our responsibility to become salvation. To work on the relationship. To develop the relationship. And as we begin this journey of understanding God's plan of restoration, it's important for us to remember that it all starts with God. He began this process, not me. God is a pursuer. And He's pursuing you. He's fighting for you. He's empowering you. And restoring you. Why? Because He loves you. The problem with most people is rather than to become salvation, we like to compare ourselves. I have no problem with comparing ourselves. The problem is we use the wrong examples. Right? I mean, it's easy for me to compare my hair loss to someone else's who's got more hair loss. Right? I mean, I can look at you today and say, I have more hair than Benji. Right? But that, I've given it a selective, I've got to select my example. Right? I got to select my example. We have selective examples. It's, it's easy for me when I get to pick what I'm comparing myself to. I will always find someone that I can, that will make me look better. Right? It's easy to do that when we get to choose the example. The problem is Jesus is the example. We don't like to use that example, do we? We don't pick that one. Door number one, door number two, door number three. Uh, which one has Jesus in it? Door number three. I don't want that door. Right? We don't, when we want to compare ourselves, we don't get to select. And that's the problem we do. Right? I mean, I wasn't the smartest kid in school. I felt like I made the valedictorian possible. <laughs> that's how I look at it. Makes me feel better about myself. I made the upper 10% possible. Somebody was right on the cusp and they put me down there. He got bumped up. Right? But see how we get to select? It's how easy it is to, to find our... Because we can navigate that. Well, you know, that old Bob Peters, I'm a better person than he is. Right? Isn't it easy to navigate? And Bob's saying, I got more hair than you, Don. Right? I, I can use the hair comparison, Bob. You got pretty hair, Bob. You really do. But we can't use selective examples. And that's our problem. We like to compare ourselves. Rather than to become something, we like to compare. And when we compare, we get to pick what we're comparing ourselves to. And how many of you know that's not a real comparison, is it? Because we're getting to pick it. We're getting to pick it. Uh, But salvation is a process. It's not an event. And this process should bring a a behavior modification as we're becoming salvation. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, We are new creations. The old has become New, or in other words, it never existed before. So we get a fresh start when we accept Jesus into our heart, when we, and we allow Jesus to lead and guide our lives. But that is just the beginning of becoming salvation. The beauty of that is we're new creations every day. If we're becoming salvation every day, the Bible says His, his mercy and His grace is new every single morning. I get new stuff. Because that's becoming salvation. It's becoming 
So where are we? Going back to Isaiah chapter 12, verse 2. I want to examine this verse real quick and point out a few things that God had pulled out of this verse and want me to share with you. Uh, we see that salvation brings us things that we read here in Isaiah chapter 2, or 12, verse 2. The first thing we see is trust. Trust. We hear that word a lot in our lives, don't we? Trust me. Have you ever told you that? You trusted them and it didn't work out well, did it? Uh, just trust me. Trust me. I mean, I don't know. Bo was standing there at that chipper just trusting us that we were going to feed the chipper and not feed Bo to the chipper uh, the other night. Uh, but trust me. We had no idea what we was doing with that trip. Hey, Don, while you were downstairs, I told him you gave a seven-week sermon series at the chipper that night. You had a word for everything we did. It was anointed. It was anointed. Anointed time. Anointed time. Uh, we've always been let down when someone says, trust me. When we get hurt, people lose our trust. But God says here in Isaiah that we can trust Him. We can trust Him. When we trust, we no longer are afraid. Trust removes our fears. Listen to what Isaiah says here again. I will trust and not be afraid. So to not be afraid, you have to place your trust in something to remove your fear. And Isaiah said, I'm going to trust in you. And when I do that, I'm no longer afraid. If we ever are get to, to be at peace in this life, we must learn to trust God every single day about everything. And that's not just a religious, churchy statement. That's the truth. That's the truth. Beyond faith, biblical trust has a broader perspective within the Bible. One that speaks of our assured reliance on the strength, ability, wisdom, and truth of God above and beyond everything else. Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not into your own understanding. There it is, the battle for control. Right? That's what Proverbs points out. We want to control. How many of you are a control freak? How many of you are lying? Just kidding. I know some of you. You want to be in control. How many of you just do all the driving? You don't let anybody else drive. Say you're a control freak. You don't let anybody else drive. Uh, I'm kind of that way too. Uh, but man, there's the battle. It's control. Do we lean on God or do we rely on ourselves? Do we rely on ourselves? I don't know about you, but more times than not, relying on myself has led to complete and utter failure. According to Scripture, it's the Lord in whom we are to trust, not ourselves. Certainly not what the world offers us. According to Scripture, we trust the Lord because he's, He and He alone is trustworthy. According to the Bible, we trust Him with all our hearts, committing every aspect of our lives to Him. According to the Bible, we are not to trust in ourselves because our understanding is temporary or it's finite, or it's tainted by sinful nature. I need to trust Him, because He's not. And then it says, I will. In this statement, He is making a declaration regarding His trust in the Lord. He does not say, I might, which many of us say. He says, I will. In other words, He is saying, no matter how dark the night, no matter how stormy the sea, no matter how terrible the enemy, no matter how bad that day is, I'm going to trust you, God. I'm going to trust you, God, with my life. That's the declaration that we all should make every day. I will trust. I will trust. The consequences of this trust... Oh, wait a second. You just looked at me funny. Do you know that? There, when we hear the word consequence, we always think negative, don't we? Do you know there are positive consequences? Right? There are positive consequences in life. And this is a positive consequence. It says, when I trust in you, there's a consequence in that. 
I will no longer be afraid. When I trust in you, there's a consequence of placing my trust and my hope in a God who never fails. I'll never be afraid. Doesn't mean I won't shake in the boots. Doesn't mean I won't have some questions in the back of my head. But deep down the recess is my heart. My trust is in Him. My trust is in Him. And be not afraid. That's the consequence of the trust of God that comes from placing our trust in Christ. Here we have the consequences of such a trust in the Lord. Fear is dispelled for the believer who fully trusts in God. I'm fully persuaded that the individual who is always afraid is an individual who trusts God very little. Who trusts God very little. The second thing we leave from these verses is our strength. Our strength. For the Lord God is my strength, he says in verse 2. That little song we all learned growing up, Jesus loves me. First line says, Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. Little ones to him belong. They are weak. But he is strong. He's strong. I'm weak in my own, in my own self. I can't make it. We can't get ourselves to heaven. We're weak. But that little song told me as a little kid, I'm weak, but he is strong. He's strong. In my shortcomings and my failures, where I'm not very good, he becomes my strength. He becomes my strength. We all need his strength, don't we? Strength when we are weak, strength for the hard days to keep us and guard us. The Lord has done all the work, right, in the salvation. It's all his work, not ours. Therefore, he is my strength. It's not my own strength that achieves my salvation, nor do, nor do God and I work together. For me to get salvation, he's done all the work. So therefore, he shall provide all the strength. And lastly, it says our song. And they were singing about it this morning. It says in Isaiah chapter 2, the end of that, For the Lord is my song. Notice the song of the victorious saint, right? It's a song of pure praise toward God. It's not only toward him, but he is the subject of the song. Think about what I just said. We're not just singing to God. He's the very subject in the song that we're singing to God. It's not just lyrics. It's lyrics that he's in. That he is a part of. He is the song. I'm not just singing to him. He's the song I'm singing. He's my song. He's my song. When we live our lives with a song, it creates proper priority. In our lives to constantly reorient our lives around Jesus Christ. Our confidence is in the one who never ceases to amaze. October 14th, 1987. Many of you don't even know what that date means. There was an 18-month-old girl named Jessica McClure. Jessica McClure. She fell into an abandoned well uh, in a mine shaft in her aunt's backyard in Midland, Texas. The world watched the 58-hour ordeal. It was all over TV. You remember it now? That little baby girl fell down that shaft. Was trapped for 58 hours. The world came together. of People praying all over the planet. And they dug a hole all the way down to get her. They cut the pipe beneath her and were able to get her free from the 8-inch pipe that held her. The picture of the rescue workers coming up from that hole and handing that little girl to those who were waiting to save her life was one of the most dramatic moments I've ever witnessed in my life. Her rescue reminds me of how Jesus rescued me. He didn't just reach down to where I was. 
He didn't lower some divine rope. I hope I would grab a hold and pull myself up. He got in the pit. He went to where I was. He came to me. He came to you. And he placed me on a solid foundation. He's the one who brought me up. He didn't send down a disciple. He didn't send down some great preacher. He himself came to the pit. And he rescued me. He rescued me. Psalm 40, verses 1 and 3. I waited patiently for the Lord. For the Lord had inclined unto me, and he heard my cry. He brought me up also out of the horrible pit, out of the miry clay, and set my foot on a solid rock, and established my goings. And he has put a new song in my mouth, and even praise unto our God. Many shall see it in fear, and shall trust in the Lord. He came and got us. He rescued us. He didn't send some special rope. Don, I hope you get this. He came to where I was. And until you get let God come into your mud hole, He can never get you out of that mud hole. I don't want Jesus to get dirty. He wants to get dirty to rescue you. He'll leave the 99 to save the one. He'll tear the whole house up to find the one coin. You're that coin. Where were that sheep? He don't care. We can't get rescued until we let Him in. The muck and the mire of our world. He can't reach us until we let him in the pit. The good news is he wants to come in the pit. He wants to come where you are. Becoming salvation. Develop. Change. Work. Establish. It's a daily walk. Jesus said in Luke, I think Luke chapter 9, take up your cross daily. Follow after me. You want to be my disciple? All right. Take up your cross daily. Become salvation. Become salvation. He is my salvation. Can you say that today? Is he your salvation today? Do you trust him? I know, it sounds religious and we... We want to punch people in the face and say, just trust him, Don. This isn't a churchy statement. This is biblical trust. This isn't me telling you to trust. This is biblical foundation trust. This isn't verbiage. This is an experience trust. Is he your strength today? In a crazy, chaotic, confusing world where we can buy pink shirts that aren't pink, is he your strength? Is he who you rely on? Or are you leaning on your own understanding? What are you leaning on? See my song today? My song. See my song? If God's your salvation and strength, he'll give you a song to sing. We all don't get to sing like Greg and Jessica and Ben. Right? That's why you play the bass. Right? We all don't get to sing like that, do we? But we all have a song. We all have something to sing. Don't we? We all have a song. Kelly gets on me all the time. Y'all heard me say it all the time. I'll just sing like three lines of something because it just gets in me and I just love those three lines. She's like, just sing the whole song. 
But that's the song for me that moment. That's just all I'm resonating in my mind. That's all I need. But she wants me to sing the song. Then she tells me I can't sing. <laughs> See my song? If you don't like the chapter you're in right now in your life, do you know you can start a new chapter? But you have to quit writing in the one you're writing in right now. You have to end that chapter to start a new chapter. So many times we, we say, God, give me something new. And we keep writing in chapter 5. God wants to get you to chapter 6, but you're still writing in chapter 5. Turn the page. Start a new paragraph. Write chapter 6 on the front. And start writing again. The cool thing is you've got to give him that pen, though. That's the problem. We're trying to write the chapter, and God wants to write the chapter. God wants to be the one that writes that chapter. Let's bow your head and close your eyes. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name. Lord, our goal in life is that your light would shine and that men would see the reality and the hope that we have in you. But Lord, as we struggle and fight within ourselves to become salvation, we along this path, rather than pointing people to Jesus, we push them away because our focus is wrong. So Lord, today I pray for everyone in this sanctuary. I just ask that we begin to develop and work and change as we become salvation. Lord, you become our strength. You become our trust. You become the very song we sing when you become our salvation.